Hey, this is Jamie from Stonemaier Games, and today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite styles of cooperative games, maybe even my favorite style of cooperative game, which is limited communication cooperative games. These are cooperative games in which players have a mechanical or a thematic reason that they do not know all the information at the table, and they are also keeping some information from the other players. And I have not included any trader mechanism games on this chart. I know trader mechanism games are arguably cooperative games, but they're also arguably semi-cooperative games, whereas all the games on this list are fully cooperative. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning the trader mechanism is a way to, uh, to have players, some players have a reason not to convey all the information to other players. So some honorable mentions for this list are Letter Jam, Groundhog Day, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven is only a partial uh, uh, limited, communi limited communication game, specifically with the, uh, uh, the priority um, uh, of which order your, your characters will be going. Fog of Love, Codenames Duet, and Magic Maze. Magic Maze came very close to making this list, uh, but it's also a very stressful game. So there are some games that were less stressful that bumped it off the list. So let's jump to, right to the top 10. At 10, we have Similo. Similo is a game that I've actually only played on Board Game Arena, but I would gladly play it in, in, uh, on the tabletop. Similo is a game where one player is trying to get all the other players to guess a character. And so they have a, uh, a hidden character and um, they are giving clues to all the other players uh, based uh, uh, to help them decide which of, uh, of the characters that they're looking at, because all the other players are looking at a grid of around 12 characters. They're trying to eliminate the characters that are not the one that you have. And the only clue that you can give each round is you reveal a card and, and you say this card is either similar to the real character or it is not at all similar to the real character. And depending on the round, all the other players need to choose cards to eliminate. So if I, if we're playing like the animal version of Similo, because there are lots of different versions, I might reveal a fox and I might say, uh, say it's a red fox. And I might say, this is similar to the card that I, that I have that I'm trying to get you to guess. So all the other players might look at that fox and be like, okay, it's similar to it. We might make sure that we keep red cards on, on the table. And we might make sure we keep bushy-tailed animals on the on the on the uh, on the table too and eliminate the ones that are that are not bushy-tailed things like that but they don't really know exactly what they're doing it plays really smoothly and this is one of my favorite styles you'll see this throughout a significant portion of this list that um this is a game where one player has uh full information and they kind of have to agonize while all the other players discuss in front of them what that information means and they the other players are openly communicating while that one player has that asymmetry of information so that's similo at number 10. at number nine we have hanabi hanabi is a now classic game uh, a cooperative game where you have a hand of cards that is facing outwards you the, the limited uh communication or information in this game is that you don't know what's in your own hand of cards and you can't just tell all the other players what's in their hand of cards because that would that is the game that's the, that would ruin the game um and that's a crucial point here that i'll mention that there are other games other cooperative games that have limited information but i don't think it makes thematic or mechanical sense in those games it's kind of just in there to, to prevent to present an obstacle to the players to uh and, and to prevent quarterbacking and alpha players from taking over the cooperative game but in a game like hanabi the game doesn't work unless you have that asymmetry of information. If, if, I, if I could see all hands of cards at the table, we would play perfectly every time. We would win every time. And that isn't the point of a cooperative game like Hanabi. So you, you can't see your own hand of cards, but you can give clues to other players as to what's in their hand. And players are basically trying to play cards in a certain order, certain colored cards in a certain order on the table. Um, 
it leads to a feeling that several of these games have of really syncing together with your teammates and optimizing every little piece of information and also maybe getting a little bit lucky sometimes. Um, this kind of this group think uh, feel that you get at the table when you're playing Hanabi well. Really like this game. That's number nine. Number eight is a game that I just played the other day. I played it many times now, but just happened to play it the other day. We had a perfect streak going in So Clover. In So Clover, this is another, obviously, I keep saying cooperative, but all the games on this list are fully cooperative, where each player has a little plastic clover here that they randomly populate with four, um, four cards with a hole in the middle. And each of those cards has words on them that align with the outside of the clover. And you need to write down a single word on each of the four outer sections of the clover that can help the other players guess what the two words are on the cards that align with that portion of the clover. Because after all players are doing this, they're all doing it simultaneously, um, you're gonna take off these four cards, you're gonna mix in one random card, you're gonna shuffle them up, and then you will reveal your clover to the other players. And that's when you get to sit back and watch the other players vastly overestimate or underestimate you as they try to guess the correct configuration of the correct cards on your clover. Uh, when we played the other day, we actually had a completely perfect round. We had a five-player game. Maybe, no, we had a six-player game, and we played one round of it, and everyone got theirs right on the first guess. Because you two, one of the nice things about this game is that you get two guesses, which I really like that little bit of flexibility, because it means that if you feel pretty good about the configuration, and you ask the person who configured it to say, is this right or not, um, you have one chance to get it wrong. Uh, and it feels really good when you get it right the first time, but there's that little bit of flexibility where if maybe you're debating with other players um, to avoid any conflict from escalating at the table, where I feel strongly about this card being in one place and you feel strongly about it. We can just say, let's try it this way. And if we're wrong, we'll try it your way. I really like that little bit of flexibility in So Clover. That isn't really about the communication, but I love the open discussion paired with the one other player who has that limited information. Um, or they have all the information. All the other players have the limited information. That's So Clover, number eight. Number seven is the Shipwreck Arcana, a very little puzzle game with some really clever mechanisms that uses these tarot-style cards. Uh, in this game, it is one of these style, styles of games that I'm mentioning here where one player has uh, more information than, than the other players, but that role rotates around the table. So in the Shipwreck Arcana, on your turn, you are going to draw... Um, you'll, you'll end up drawing, I believe, one token out of the bag. You'll have two of these little uh, tokens that have numbers on them. And you are going to present one of those numbers to all of the players as the clue. And you're going to associate it with a specific card at the table. And each card has a different requirement. Let's see if I can show you an example here while I'm talking about it. Uh, that you're trying to get players to, to kind of guess at. Let's see if we have an example here. So... Um, so this one says, uh, between, it says, if exactly one visible fate, fate uh, are the little tokens, fate value falls between your fates, play one of them here. So you're basically trying to legally play one of these tokens. Uh, this one says, one, two, three. If one of your fates is one, two, or three, and the other is not, play the one, two, or three here. So you're trying to kind of continue playing eligible tokens throughout the game on these different cards. Here's odd. Odd says, if the sum of your fates is odd, play one of them here. And the, what you're eventually trying to do in this, in this game is help the other players guess the other token in your hand. So you have two tokens in your hand. They just saw that I played the that I played a four here and that I didn't play that four anywhere else. So they know if I played the four here, then um, 
then the other number that I have in hand must be an odd number because two even numbers would add up, add up to an even number. So you're trying to play the numbers in such a way that the other players can guess which token is left in your hand. And uh, whenever you're able to do that, um, you feel really clever and the other players feel really clever for guessing and uh, you advance the game forward towards winning. Really, really clever, puzzly game, the Shipwreck Arcana. That's number seven. At number six, we have the crew. I love the crew for many reasons, including its escalating missions, but this is at its heart a cooperative trick-taking game where each player is trying to, uh, to complete a certain number of tasks. It has very limited communication. You cannot tell other players what's in your hand. You're just kind of playing and you're getting a feel for what other players have in their hand, but you don't really know. Um, so you're trying to play your cards in such a way that you can complete the task. And this is the crucial thing. The open information in the crew are the tasks themselves. I know that in this round, you are trying to win two hands of cards with blue with a blue card. You're trying to win with a blue card. And so I need to structure my play around that information. The limited part is that I don't know what's in your hand um, and you don't know what's in my hand. So we're playing around that. That's the puzzle that we're trying to cooperatively solve together in the crew. And I really, really like that style of play. Uh, it can be a little agonizing, a little bit tense at times, but, uh, but when you get it right, when you sync with the other players and you level up, you keep leveling up through these missions, it feels really, really good. That's the crew at number six. And number five, I slipped one game of my own on this list, and that is Smitten. Smitten is a little card game I designed. It's a cooperative card game for one or two players. I designed the two-player portion of it. And in Smitten, it's very simple. You were trying to create uh, two identical grids of cards. Um, by playing a card, one, one player will play a card and that card will have instructions on it for the other player that they must, they must execute in full. If they can't, you lose the game. Uh, and these are instructions like, here, I'll, I'll give you an example. So if I play this card, if I play this card, it says your partner must place a card in this grid. And so I said there are two grids on the table. So if I place the eight, so this is an eight, it shows you where on the grid it needs to go because you're forming this panorama, then the other player must be able to follow those instructions. The key hook in this game, or the big hook in this game, is that it is never any particular player's turn until they decide it is. So it isn't like I take a turn, you take a turn. The main decision point in the game is whose turn is it? And so I'll look at my hand of cards. I typically have three hands, three cards in hand. You'll look at your hand and we'll say, you know, I, I don't really feel good about playing. Can you play? And you might say, I, I don't really feel good about playing either. And you have to decide between you who is able to play a card knowing what little information you have about the other player's hand because that is limited communication. It's fast. There's a little bit of luck to it. Sometimes you can get unlucky draws or unlucky plays, but it's a very short game. It plays about 10 minutes, which I think is nice for some of these limited communication games that they, um, if, you run, if you stumble over something and just lose, that you can just play again really quick. So that is Smitten, a game that I designed at number five. Number four, we have Mysterium Park. This is the little brother slash big brother to the original Mysterium that is much faster to play, much easier to set up. And uh, I, I greatly prefer this version to the original Mysterium, although I do miss that giant, um, the giant screen that the ghost has. So in Mysterium, a player has been murdered and that player has become a spirit or a ghost and they are conveying through uh, the dreams of the living players, uh, which are these beautifully illustrated cards, they're trying to get other players to guess certain information, uh, basically eliminating information from the table. They're trying to eliminate where the murder didn't happen, and they're trying to determine where who uh, did not commit the murder. And then at the end, there's one final round where you're looking at the remaining locations, the remaining people, and determining who did it and where they did it. 
Uh, but I love this style of limited communication where one player has all the information. They know the right answers to all the clues, but they are not able to express that fully. So they are giving information to the other players, but only in partial form, only through these pictures that all the other players get to discuss openly. Um, that, that just it's, it's a very interesting balance there where you're, you're conveying some information and where all other players are openly discussing it, but they don't have all the information, but they, they are able to openly discuss it. They don't have to hide anything from each other. And that, uh, that dichotomy there, I really, really like in games like Mysterium Park at my number four slot. Number three, I have a game Tranquility. So I, I've also only played Tranquility on Board Game Arena. I have backed Tranquility The Ascent uh, back in January 2021. I have not received the, the Kickstarter copy yet, but I'm looking forward to that. But in Tranquility, it is one of these games, similar to another one that I'll mention in a second, where you are trying to position numbers in a specific order. The key in Tranquility is that you don't have to play those numbers in any particular order. You have these, uh, I, I guess they're, they're in real life, they're probably cards, uh, square cards that you're playing in rows so that they are in ascending order. Um, and you can't play any of them uh, out of that order. So if I have put an 88 really high up at the top, you can't, uh, the, the only eligible places for you to place the 87 is to the left of it, below it. Um, and you're trying to do this to fill in an entire grid of, I believe, 36 numbers out of also, I believe, 99 possible numbers. Or maybe it only goes up to 80, but there are way more numbers than you need to actually put on the grid. And the key hook in this game is that whenever you play a number, a card, directly next to another number, you look at the difference between those two numbers and you have to discard that many cards, which greatly accelerates the timer of the game. That's if you run out of cards, if you don't have a card to play, you lose, all players lose. So if I play an 87 next to an 88, the difference is one and uh, I only have to discard one card, that's great. Anyway, none, none of that has to really has to do with the limited communication of the game. But the limited communication part is that you don't know what's in the other player's hands. Because if you did, then that would ruin the game. You wouldn't, there would be no game anymore. Just like Hanabi, uh, if all players know what numbers you have, then you'll play optimally every time. Um, whereas, because you don't know that, that uh, so if I have the, say in that situation, there's the 88 on the table, I have the 86, but I don't know if you have the 87 or not. I don't know if you've discarded it previously. Um, I don't know if you haven't drawn it yet. So do I play my 86 and discard two? Or do I hold out and hope that you have that 87? Or do I play that 86 right next to the 88? Or do I play it one space away in the hopes that you have that 87? It's that little, that tension that emerges from the game uh, that I really, really enjoy in, uh, in Tranquility. And number three. And number two is a game very similar to that, but without a spatial element and where, where you do have to play the numbers in order, and that is the mind. This is another kind of groupthink game where you can get into this nice flow with other players uh, that feels really good. In the mind, you each have a hand of cards, or you start off with just one card, and you have to play those cards with, without any communication at all to the other players in order from least to greatest. Um, if, you, if anyone plays a card out of order, you lose a life, uh, but you get to continue playing until you all, all collectively lose uh, a certain number of lives, depending on the player count. Uh, and the, again, like the crew, this game escalates. So in the first round, each player only has one card, and then you have two cards, then three cards. This is something that I really, really like in limited communication games because it means that the lose conditions um, aren't as perilous early on in the game as you're kind of getting your footing, as you're learning how and when other players typically play a number that is maybe 10 higher or 20 higher than the previous number. You're learning about each other as you're playing, and the stakes start off very low, but then they escalate and get much, much higher as you have more cards in hand. 
I really, really like the mine. I, I've had a great time every time I've played it. And uh, it does sometimes lead to some odd tension where you're like, why did you play that card? Like the previous round you played a, t a card that was 10 higher after one second and then you just waited 20 seconds to play the card. There's some weird things like that, but um, in between rounds, you can talk openly about that and you can learn about each other. Really like this game. I really like the flow that it gets into when you're playing the mind. That's my number two. Last, we have Just One. Just One is my number one game on this list. It really could be switched out at any given time with maybe the top five games on this list. But I just, I love coming back to Just One over and over again. This is a game, I believe, by the same creators as So Clover, where uh, one player has a word that they cannot see that they are trying to guess with the help of the other players. And all the other players, and th there are actually multiple levels of limited communication here because this player doesn't have any information um, yet. They, they, they have a number or they have a word and they don't know what that word is. All the other players know what that word is and they have to write down on little plastic, uh, you can actually see it here, on little plastic um, placards, they have to write down a one word clue. But they're doing it also with limited com communication. They can't talk with other players when they're doing this because they all reveal at the same time um, without uh, the first player, the, the, the main guesser, without the guesser looking. They all reveal to each other. And if any of those words are duplicates, then those words are not seen by the guesser. So if the word is pizza, if you're trying to get help me guess the word pizza and two of you write down Italian, then uh, before I ha I've had the chance to see those placards, you've shown them to each other and you put them face down so I don't get that clue. So you're trying to think of clues that aren't obvious, but it's also okay sometimes to mix a really obvious clue in there because everyone else is going for a non-obvious clue. It leads to moments of cleverness and brilliance and hilarity and again, there are these multiple levels of limited communication. I don't know the word, but you all don't know what each other is writing down. And once you write down those words, I have more information. Since I have a bunch of information, a bunch of clues that you've given me, and you all have to wait and see if I'm going to be able to guess the word based off of those clues that you gave me. It's kind of the opposite of So Clover, where there's one person at that point in the game that has a lot of information and everyone else is sitting, waiting to see if that person interprets it correctly, puts it So Clover, which is the other way around. So it's a lovely game. I, I love playing Just One. It works for gamers and non-gamers alike. And it, it is a little bit more of an activity in that uh, you win when you feel like you've won. You can play as long as you want. There is a points method, but we don't play that points method. Uh, yeah, Just One. That's my, my number one. In the, in the link below, in the description below, I linked to a list on BoardGameGeek that someone has compiled very graciously of a list of all the limited communication games that are out there. I think there are probably some that are missing from the list because for example, Gloomhaven wasn't on that list, but I do consider that having a limited communication uh, method to it, but uh, or, or aspect to it. In fact, Gloomhaven also has the individual tasks that you're trying to complete in each mission. I think that's clever too. Uh, so let me know if there's anything that you'd add to that list, but feel free to check out that list. If this is the genre of games that you like, or you're trying to remember some of your favorites, look at that list and feel free to chime in in the comments below to let me know your favorite limited communication games and why you like them. Again, I think this is a brilliant genre of cooperative games. I found that I much prefer this to the style of cooperative game where it is a, a, lot, a bunch of bad stuff is happening to you and you are just kind of puzzling your way and struggling through that bad stuff. This is a player created puzzle. Um, that you're that you're puzzling through together with the other players. I think it helps limit quarterbacking and alpha players. I think it creates an interesting puzzle every time, and uh, the puzzle is w among the players, not a puzzle that the game is presenting to the players. Yeah, I love this. I, I love this style of game. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks.